Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, here we go again. After several months of low transmission, Hancock County is back to the medium level of COVID spread, and hospitalizations are creeping back up. How concerned should we be about another increasing cases and the latest variants? Also this morning, from the purchase of nuisance properties to testing of police body cameras, Finley Mayor Christina Mern discusses a number of city issues making headlines this month. And to your health this morning, July is Dry Eye Awareness Month. It's a condition that's more common as we grow older, but potentially serious at any age. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. hundredth day of 2022 now we've reached the 200th day of the year 165 days remaining if you do the math and today is flight attendant safety professionals day big shout out to all of the flight attendants out there who have had just an incredibly rough go of it over the past couple of years with the mask mandates on the uh, aircraft and all of that people uh, just in a cranky mood when they're traveling Uh, It's been a rough time in the past couple of years to be a uh, flight attendant. So a big salute to the flight attendants of the world. Also, today is National National Daiquiri Day. Easy for me to say. Like I've had a couple already. National Daiquiri Day today. National Raspberry Cake Day. It is International Retainer Day. (laughs) Remember having a retainer back when you were a teenager? National Retainer Day. Um, new Friends Day. Make a new friend today. It is Stick Out Your Tongue Day, which is probably not a great way to make a new friend, but there you go. And uh, World Product Day. <laughs> I saw that on the on the list, and I thought, you know, that's that's about as generic a an observance as you get world product day uh, that pretty much covers everything i guess there you go reasons to celebrate today yet another study out that shows social media has a negative effect on us uh this time when it comes to our finances and our spending this is a bank rate study found that social media affects consumers' spending habits. Nearly half of users in this study admit to making an impulse purchase based on a sponsored post on social media. Uh, Nearly two-thirds, 64%, made an impulse purchase from an ad on social media and regretted at least one of those purchases. 64% who made an impulse buy regretted at least one of those purchases. Uh, Sarah Foster, who's a uh, Bankrate.com analyst, tells Fortune magazine, these purchases can often harm our finances more than benefit our lives in the way they we thought they would from social media. Have you ever done that? I, I It's interesting because they were looking specifically at, at least from what I gather according to the story, they were looking specifically at impulse purchases made by sponsored posts basically ads on social media. What I would be curious to know is how many people have made an impulse purchase based on something that they saw on a friend's post on social media and said, oh, I got to have one of those too. You know, that keeping up with the Joneses thing. I think that number would probably be even higher than the number of people who have bought things on a whim based on a sponsored post. But uh, nonetheless, social media can also affect our feelings about our finances, with nearly one-third of users in the survey being more likely to feel negatively about their financial situation than any other aspect of their lives. And when it comes to that, comparison is at least part of the reason. 47% of Gen Zers, 46% of Millennials say they felt negatively about their own personal financial situation because of another person's social media post as did 31% of Gen Xers and 22% of baby boomers. So there is one way that uh, other people's posts 
will affect our own sense of self uh, with respect to our finances on social media. Interesting stuff. I bring it up just because maybe you've already been on social media this morning and you can kind of apply that to your own situation. I thought that was kind of interesting. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start off your uh, Tuesday morning here. It is a common belief that if someone tries to walk and perform a another task at the same time, they will end up doing neither very well. We're talking about social media. How many times have you seen people trying to walk around with their nose on their phone, you know, typing something on social media, sending a text message or what happened, what have you? And uh, they're, you know, bumping into people or bumping into things. Uh, You see those uh, videos online all the time. People uh, doing dumb things because they're distracted by their phones. But a new study finds the ability to walk while at the same time concentrating on something else, like using a smartphone, is actually a skill that some people are born with. Researchers at the University of Rochester found that for some people, walking actually boosts and changes their brain activity, allowing them to multitask better. And they hope that it could be a marker for super-agers whose brains still function well in old age. Researchers looked at 26 healthy young people in their study between the ages of 18 and 30. They found that 14 of them who improved on a task Uh, They found 14 of them improved on a task while walking, uh, experienced a change in their frontal brain function, which the other 12 did not. There was no predictor of who would fall into which category before we tested them. We initially thought that everyone would respond similarly, according to the biomedical engineering research student at Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry. Uh, Eleni Pedalaki, um, but they found that they, some people actually did things better when they were walking. They multitasked better when they were walking around. I don't know any of those people. I, I'm certainly not one of them and I am guilty of that. I've walked around in a store or walked a, and, uh, trying to multitask doing two things, you know, on social media or something at the time when I were texting and walking, and I've got to have my wife guide me. You know, like one of those, uh, like one of those characters uh, at a uh, at an amusement park who's in the uh, uh, costumes, and they have to have handler to make sure that they, they don't run into somebody or do something dumb. That's you know what my wife does while I am walking and texting at the same time. Anyway, but some people can do that. Some people can do that. Um. This is kind of interesting. I uh, uh, saw this on the Newswire. Big news, uh, really. I guess this is this is big news. The CDC has decided to end its program to help mitigate COVID-19 outbreaks on cruise ships. First, it was the mask mandate on airplanes that went away. And now the health agency made the announcement yesterday saying cruise ships have access to guidance and tools to manage their own COVID-19 programs. Mandatory COVID area rules became voluntary back in February to provide cruise lines interested uh, with the tools uh, to carry out surveillance, documentation, and reporting of cases on board ships in U.S. waters. The uh, CDC said it will continue to publish guidance to help cruise ships provide a safer and healthier environment for passengers, but the mandated protocols... Are going away. So this even as the news reports are out, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on this morning, of increased spread, numbers of cases, number of hospitalizations creeping back up again, and uh, the CDC relaxing those rules, which many have been calling on them for uh, to do for many, many months now. Kind of interesting there. Uh, let's see. This is how crazy the world is today. This is a a perfect example of how crazy the world is today and how messed up uh, so many aspects uh, of our lives uh, are. 
Now, we were talking about uh, finances and, uh, and money and, and so on. Check this story out. couple from Georgia uh, came up with a, a life hack that helped them get their finances back under control. Nick and Megan Lucido, I think is how you pronounce it. Nick and Megan Lucido uh, found that even on two salaries and two pretty decent salaries, pretty, pretty healthy salaries, they still could not make ends meet in this day and age between the mortgage that they were carrying, their cars, uh, and just impulse spending, just living their everyday lives. They were so deep into debt and they were so they were spending so much money that they were just barely scraping by. Crushed by their mortgage and other payments, they traded their home in uh, in, in coming Georgia. They sold their home and went and, and downsized <laughs> uh, in a major way. They decided to move into a two-story shed from the Home Depot. Did you hear about this? Uh, this story actually popped up in my uh, news feed on social media the other day. Uh, the uh, Lucidos uh, ha- happened to be uh, walking into a Home Depot uh, store and uh, saw out front where they had the displays of the sheds there was a two-story um model but about 800 square feet and they said hmm i think we could do this so they sold their home bought this shed and remodeled it to be a tiny home just as the pandemic began the pair purchased a plot of land for forty thousand dollars and built their not so dream home on it plopped the shed down Outfitted it with a, a kitchen, a, you know, a small kitchenette, living space, bedroom in the upstairs because it was two stories. And within nine months, they had paid off $82,000 in debt, even with a new baby who arrived in their tiny home. They put a crib in their their bedroom and they were able to make it work. Uh, and now that they have all of this debt paid off, even better... They flipped their 800-square-foot shed on the land that they had purchased. And are you ready for this? They sold it for $312,000. It's, it's a shed uh, on a nice piece of land, but it's still a shed, 800 feet, uh, square feet. And they sold it for $312,000, and now they are building their true dream home. That is... It's just crazy. Just crazy. And again, uh, it, it just uh, demonstrates how insane the world is today with money and finances and home prices and the cost of everything these days. That speaks on so many levels <laughs> to, to how crazy life in America is today. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected today with a high of 89. It'll be mostly clear tonight, a low of 71. There's a need for more mentors for younger people in Hancock County. And Children's Mentoring Connection is hoping to get 40 new mentors over the summer. Volunteering your time makes a priceless impact. We have programs that fit everyone's schedule from occasionally two to three times a month or weekly for an hour at one of our school programs. Volunteers can start as early as high school students. There's something for everyone. Stacy Shaw says their summer recruitment effort includes prizes for people who refer people who become a mentor. You can get more of our talk with Stacy and learn more about becoming a mentor on the website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol is launching a new safety initiative. The state patrol is joining forces with troopers from five other states to crack down on drivers who violate move over laws. Drivers are required to move to an adjacent lane if they see a vehicle with flashing lights on the side of the road. 51 patrol cruisers were hit by motorists between 2017 and 2021, resulting in two civilian deaths and dozens of injuries to officers and civilians. The patrol has written over 26,000 move-over citations since 2017. Steve Vaughn, ONN. 
The Buckeye State will soon be seeing the benefits of a multi-million dollar settlement with drug companies for their role in the nationwide opioid epidemic. Governor DeWine announced the first round of payments to county and municipal governments, which total more than $8.6 million that are on the way. The payments are part of an overall $808 million settlement reached with three health groups last year. Ohio will receive the cash in separate installments through the year 2040. The date has been announced for this year's Cops and Kids Finley Halloween Parade. This year's parade will be held on Tuesday, October 25th, starting at 7. Sponsorships are now being accepted, and registration for the parade will begin in the middle of September. You can get more on the parade and see video from previous years on the website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now to our cover story this morning. Here we go again. After several months of low transmission, Hancock County now back up to the medium level of COVID spread. Hospitalizations are creeping back up. So how concerned should we be at this point? Joining us uh, this morning, once again, is Dr. William Coase, uh, is with Blanchard Valley Health System and uh, medical director for the uh, County Board of Health, recently named. So congratulations. This is the first time that we've talked to you since uh, adding that title to your repertoire. So congratulations. Um, how concerned should we? Let's, uh, let's start with that basic question. Um, you know, is this uh, something that we obviously need to pay attention to, but how, how much should we be concerned? Well, it obviously is a good question and we're trying to predict what's happening. First, looking at the data, as you said, we are seeing more cases. It's not been from the hospital or even the emergency room or our practices, anything that's overwhelming like it was before. Uh, and I think there's a couple of things to, to look at. One, just looking again at the data, we don't have really good data because people are checking themselves at home right. and they don't need to turn that in. So I get phone calls from friends or people that are looking that they're positive. What do they need to do? And, and we can talk a little bit about that. But we do think that there are increased number of cases from the data we've got mm-hmm. now. So what we're seeing is if I divided it, uh, and the first question that I'll ask someone is, were you vaccinated or not? Do you have your boosters up to date? because there is empirical evidence for sure that the, the people that have been vaccinated have more immunity than somebody doesn't. We've probably picked up some herd immunity. Uh, people have been exposed. Uh, there's probably a much bigger part of the population have had infections than what we know. But with that being said, what we're seeing in the emergency room and admissions, about half the people that we have in the hospital with COVID come in for some other kind of a problem. Might've been their gallbladder, might be that they have heart failure. Now, COVID may have uh, added to that, mm-hmm. but they're not getting admitted for COVID. So uh, summarizing, everyone thinks that probably as school gets back in, as we get back into closed ventilation and things like that, we are going to see more cases. Uh, I don't think anyone really expects it to, to be anything like we had seen in the last two falls and winters. The reason being because uh, there are now stories of other cities where uh, transmission rates have increased. I think Philadelphia, Los Angeles uh, is talking about reinstating mask mandates uh, for indoor spaces at a minimum. And now here we get the story locally that our transmission rate is uh, up from low to medium. We're not too high is is that something that should be on our radar or do you not expect well i i think it certainly ought to be on our radar and i have an opinion probably uh, there's going to be lots of opinions so what should schools be doing football is going to be starting Mm -hmm. looking i mean how much testing and i know that they're working on those things Um, i wear a mask most of the time when we're in the meetings now we have uh, requirements at the hospital Mm -hmm. that any time we're doing anything, unless it's a one-on-one and we're separated, that we're going to be wearing masks. So I think that's something that may come up. I think some of it is 
we've moved on as a community. We've moved on as a nation mm-hmm. that there's not too much interest in doing that. So there's a political things that will occur. Right. But the safest part is probably going to be thinking about masking this fall, but we'll just see what the data shows. Um, are, are we still concerned? Uh, it- you talk about moving moving past this, I think, in the minds of many, and it's something that we talked about on the on the program before, uh, getting to the point where we are less concerned about the number of cases and focusing more on the number of hospitalizations and how serious those cases of individuals in the hospital are. Are we still at that point, or are we now, uh, once again, becoming more concerned with the number of cases? I, I think... Um Again, you're asking a really good question. A little bit of it's philosophical. Um, part of science is as you continue to go on and you see what your data is, and and it's not you change your mind, you look at things. So if I didn't have to worry, this is thinking about it for the community, about long COVID, then we would be just in the process, what's different from this than influenza? Mm-hmm. Die from influenza. We, we've handled that. We put people in the hospital. What we don't know is how is this long COVID that's talked about that people are still having symptoms after a period of time. If it weren't for that, I mean, you could theoretically say, what's the difference between this and colds right. about what people are getting? Right. But, but we don't know that long not term. Not knowing the long term not, yeah. and how long it might be, how long Correct. is long COVID. That's a, a valid uh, a valid point as well. And uh, also, we are at a different place now where we have uh, some remediation. We have some treatments, uh, treatment options available for those who do it, which we didn't have two years ago. Correct. I mean, we, we've learned a lot. Yeah. And what we need to do with, I mean, just how we've used medications, how we've used steroids, uh, rehabilitation, the different kinds of things that I think we have a better idea. But, well, science never gets there. You continually learn and mm-hmm. look at things. Yeah. Um, so the long and short of it is this is uh, uh, concerning but not necessarily sounding the alarm kind of no, uh, thing, just I, because I, I, we've I, moved from low to medium. No, I, I don't think so. I think, again, you go back, you want to you want to try to be, and, and I tell people when they've been around people and then they're outside, we just don't see cases of that kind of thing. So ventilation, washing your hands. If you're sick, you ought to be tested. If you're in a high uh, probability of having difficulties unvaccinated, we have treatments. If you're over 50, uh, we're starting people on medications. All of those things are just uh, what we've been saying. And as you were alluding to earlier, real quickly, I want to uh, mention this or, or get this in. People have been testing at home. Uh, yes, for and, sure. And uh, again, you don't get all of those results. You don't have to go to the doctor to get tested anymore. So if that test comes back positive, still quarantining? Still, well, I mean, still It is still possible? a good idea to quarantine. So okay. the, the party line about what we said, this is CDC, is that if you, if Chris, if you would get sick today and mm-hmm. test positive, then five days you ought to be quarantined. Um, if you're asymptomatic after that, maybe, I mean, your symptoms are gone, don't have a fever, mm-hmm. and you can wear a mask for five more days and you can be out and about of what you're doing. So those are best practices. Those are still those, best practices, they, right. If those test results do come back positive. Again, uh, Dr. Bill Coe is with us this morning, Blanchard Valley Health System. Thanks very much for dropping by. Uh, it's always it. good to see you, Chris. Finley Mayor Christina Mern is with us in the studio this morning. Boy, it has been a busy month. I don't know. Uh, they say that uh, the summer is supposed to be kind of a slow time, but uh, there have been a lot of things uh, going on oh here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it has been so busy. And, uh, you know, even this morning, I'm going, I'm already been in another meeting. So, <laughs> so it is that time of year, but it's been great. You know what? I'm, I'm, so excited. I feel like there's a lot of good things moving forward. Let's uh, talk about some of those things that have been making headlines. Uh, after some delay, council earlier this month agreed to purchase some so-called nuisance properties on uh, Taylor Street. Um, I, I know that there were an awful lot of discussions about whether it was appropriate to, to purchase those, the price that was uh, purchased. We talked about that when it initially came up. But the the discussions uh, or, or the uh, debate over that opened up discussions about establishing a land bank program for the county. Now, I know, obviously, that would not be a city decision, but would that be something that you would support moving forward? Um, so, 
first of all, I think that this was a separate conversation from a land bank, and and some folks tried to make that be part of the conversation. But it was, I mean, but that purchase was similar to what a land bank would do. Yes. This was an avenue to address some properties. Um, If, if, okay, so I guess I want to take a step back. (laughs) I was not interested in purchasing these properties because they were considered nuisance properties or because we were aware of them. My focus on purchasing these properties is that they were properties that were in an area that we are going to be making significant investment over the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want us to be in a position where we wish we had them down the road and we didn't versus having the opportunity to acquire them at this point and have more flexibility with how we want to use that area. So the fact that uh, you were... uh potentially cleaning up a couple of blighted uh, areas or so uh, so-called nuisance properties was kind of a bonus in this Yes, that was uh, an situation. added benefit. Yeah. You know, it, we're going to be making this a, a a park area as part of the benching, a downtown recreation area in the heart of our downtown. And so having that additional property that's outside of the actual flood, you know, work that's going to be occurring will give us a, a little bit more flexibility. But also these are properties that, you know, aren't the best representation of our community. So being able to, to clean them up was an added benefit. Related to a land bank, that is a much larger conversation. I do think that there is a benefit that it provides um, that many times is misconstrued because I, I think when many, there are some folks in our community that believe a land bank is a land grab by government and that it just gives the city or the county you know, autonomy to just go around and and grab Mm -hmm. properties. And that's not at all how it is used. It is a very strict process that has to be be followed before a land bank would be able to take possession. But I've I've looked at data for Hancock County and and there are over 200 properties within our, you know, our county that are either behind on taxes or are bank owned that are just sitting around um, and in some cases are you know, deteriorating within a, com- a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so if there is a way for government in a structured fashion to get in and help facilitate those properties being revitalized and in and being utilized when we know that we need more housing, I think that that is worth a conversation. Uh, a couple of other things that have uh, been making headlines. You've got a program testing out police body cameras uh, yeah. going on. Uh, a lot of people have said <clears throat> this is uh, long overdue. What do you hope to learn out of this? Yeah, the biggest question that we are still wanting to answer is the feasibility of cost and sustainability of the program. The The last thing I want is for us to make this investment in body cams and then have a financial hardship early, you know, later on. And it put us in a position where we're having to make tough decisions. So I think the biggest thing is making sure that it's not going to be too burdensome of a cost, that it's not sustainable long term. Obviously, a lot of other communities have done yeah. this. Have you looked at, uh, at at how they have managed those? I'm sure that those same concerns existed in those departments. Definitely. And I think we're, we're feeling really good that um, I expect that the administration, myself, um, Service Safety Director Martin and Chief Ring, we'll be recommending that we move forward with with the, implementing the body cameras. It actually comes a, at an interesting time because there have been uh, a number of uh, local shootings and or police standoffs yeah. uh, recently. Is that alarming to you that we seem to have had a number of those in relatively short succession? It is. You know, I, as I've been talking to our team, there is definitely a huge concern around mental health um access to weapons, just the overall um, increase in kind of, I I would say, more violent crimes that we're seeing. You know, one thing that's frustrating to me is, you know, some of it's coming from out of town. Um, But certainly this past weekend's event is concerning. There's there's folks that need help that aren't necessarily getting to it. And so we need to be doing more on the preventative side of how do we help folks with the challenges that they're facing and make sure that we're intervening sooner rather than later so it doesn't get to a situation like this. Where where is that that breakdown uh, happening? I mean, you know, we've talked about this over the course of the pandemic, uh, the the fact that we do have mental health resources and and uh, help for those who are struggling in the community and uh, a number of different levels. Uh, so where is the breakdown happening that those individuals are not getting that help? Yeah, you know, I wish I, I knew the answer to that. The one thing that I kind of think about is many times individuals who are struggling um, 
don't realize how severe it is or don't realize how they're slipping. And so I think that probably my words to the community would be is if you know someone or you see someone that you think is is having a mental health crisis or is has been managing, you know, their mental health with medication and and they're no longer in that position or is addicted and and abusing drugs or substances in any way to try to connect them with resources. Um because that old see, uh, see, see something, something, say, say something, something, something yeah. definitely. Because I think, you know, either rec- saying something to a professional that can intervene or just saying, hey, I'm concerned about your safety right now. Can I help you get connected to something? Or I see you're struggling with your sobriety. Have you talked to someone lately? And and simple things like that can go a long way because um, that's that's what we see in a lot of these situations as someone who is, is in crisis mm-hmm. and we haven't intervened. Um, soon enough. A couple of other uh, issues, maybe a bit on the uh, on the lighter side here. Uh, testing out a lowered speed limit along parts of <laughs> South Main Street. Why uh, why lowering the speed limit, and why that particular stretch of uh, of South Main Street? Yeah, so it was uh, funny because I've had a lot. Of, I shouldn't say a lot. I've had quite a few people reach out to me going like, what the heck are you thinking? We can't lower the speed limit through there. Um, Although and, I would also imagine that there have probably been some people who have uh, been uh, very yeah. much in favor of this too. Yeah, as I would well. This say, does generate strong reaction one way or the, the other. Yes, I would say the residents of that corridor right. are like, please. Sure. Um, primarily because of the noise and then just the speeding. It's a it's this quiet residential neighborhood neighborhood setup. Um, I think really right now what I'm trying to do, I requested it be looked at to get people's attention. Um, we are right now um, rolling out and I'm going to be doing some more targeted enforce, enforcement of both speed and noise throughout the entire city. So you will see a little bit more police presence for a while because it seems like, you know, summertime, we typically see a little, people being a little bit noisier, a little bit more reckless. The mm-hmm. weather's nice. They want to cruise around. Um, but it, it's become a little bit concerning. And so we're going to be doing that um, with South Main. Uh, it's to get people's attention. We're also collecting data right now. Uh, we're also looking at doing some noise um, studies around town where we're buy- looking to buy a piece of equipment that would allow us to kind of collect some data on noise. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we need to address it. And so right now we're trying to get people's attention and say, hey, this is a residential area. The speed limit's 35. You don't need to be going 45 or 55 yeah. through this area. Um, is that, in in hearing you discuss that, it, it almost seems like uh, there could be other areas that you look at for reduced uh, speed uh, and you know targeted enforcement, that kind of thing, not just within this stretch? Yeah, so we did actually just lower the speed limit from 35 to 25 on Center and Tiffin Avenue between Blanchard and Main Street. Um, that curve right there, we were ha- we were having a number of accidents where people were going too so quickly. So safety being an issue yes, on top of the safety was other. the primary concern. We so. were having people go over the railroad tracks, and it's pretty bumpy, mm-hmm. and you're turning, and people, when they're going faster than they should be, were losing control. Yeah. Um, so because it already then goes down to 25, we felt like it was kind of a natural progression, try to get them to slow down before they're going through that area um, to then Main Street. So we do. We're always looking at it. I would say um, I don't expect us to start dropping the speed limit widely across town, but I think the message to the public is watch your speed. You, it only takes one incident for there to be a serious problem, but to be considerate of the people that are living in those areas. By the way, speaking of noise, uh, mm-hmm. I did want to ask you about this, uh, the new fireworks law. And <laughs> when we came up uh, on the uh, 4th of July, we spoke uh, with uh, Kevin Shanice mm-hmm. from the Finley Fire Department about fireworks safety and so on. And uh, he had indicated that the city was taking the approach of let's see you know, what happens this 4th of July with this new fireworks law. Uh, rather than some cities uh, just outright ban them. Yeah. Uh, Finley did not take that uh, approach. Did the 4th of July and this new law cause any problems locally? Anything that concerns you there? Um, no, we really, I was pretty nervous going into the weekend, um, especially with how dry it was. It, mm-hmm. it, it was pretty concerning. Right. But we were fortunate. We really didn't have any issues. I think um, we had a couple of calls, of, but no, no big issues. 
I, I don't foresee us making any monumental changes. What we will probably maybe do is just continue to educate people on um, not shooting it, you know, within neighborhoods. Like there are restrictions that I don't yeah. think people were aware of. Like you're not supposed to be within like, I think it's 150 feet of properties. Um, there's not supposed to be any children around, you mm. know, certain distances, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but we also may look at just uh, putting our limitations so that people again you know you're you're probably violating the noise ordinance after a certain point of time Mm -hmm. um i know at at my household i had a bunch of young kids and it was kind of annoying when they're trying to sleep (laughs) and you keep waking them up um so i think you know the big thing is be considerate talk to your neighbors make sure you're aware and if you have any veteran neighbors or individuals like please communicate with them you know folks that have ptsd if there's suddenly loud noises that trigger them that, that can be an issue so Which just has be, always be been considerate yeah. yeah absolutely again the finley mayor christina mern busy busy july uh, <laughs> thanks very been, much for it's uh, only halfway we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veteran services <laughs> police in providence rhode island this uh, may be one of the best Broken news items that we have, the best dumb criminal stories that we have had, certainly this year, and this may make the all-time list. Police in Providence, Rhode Island, are are looking for a thief who robbed a strip club of $22,000 in $1 bills. <laughs> Robbed a strip club of twenty-two grand in one-dollar bills. The owner of the Cadillac Lounge says he was getting ready to open the club Monday afternoon and was counting money in his office when a man walked in and pointed a gun at him, took thirty-five hundred dollars from an open safe, and then ordered the owner to open another safe, which had twenty-two k in ones. He loaded all of the cash into the bag. Uh, that he was carrying, slipped out the back door, ran across from nearby train tracks, and was gone. <laughs> but uh, I would think that that he probably is pretty would be pretty easy to find. You know, if he tries to make a big purchase all in ones, you should be suspicious of anyone in Providence, Rhode Island, <laughs> trying to make a big purchase in one dollar bills. <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the broken news, this is a nice guy. Joshua Murray, age 25, pulled a gun on some customers at the local Family Dollar in Hamden, Connecticut. And why did he pull a gun on uh, other customers at the Family Dollar in Hamden, Connecticut? Because they didn't thank him for holding the door open for them. He wanted to do something nice. He held the door open for these people as they were uh, entering the store. They did not say thank you, so he pulled a gun on them. Witnesses at the scene said Mr. Murray became upset when the female shoppers did not acknowledge his chivalry, so he took out his gun and started waving it at them. Police were called in and went on the hunt for Mr. Nice Guy here. He was picked up about a mile and a half away became combative with the arresting officers. He was uh, taken into custody and faces several counts, including breach of peace, interfering with the police officer, and best of all, carrying a pistol without a permit. (laughs) So it was an unlicensed gun to boot. And that, by the way, is a felony. So (laughs) he's himself into all kinds of trouble here. And it all could have been avoided if they'd have just said thank you. It's, tell you what, where are people's manners these days? A former U.S. Army officer's daughter has been arrested in India, where she is accused of faking her own kidnapping in a plot to extort money from her parents. (laughs) Police arrested 27-year-old Chloe McLaughlin on Sunday in New Delhi where she was living with a boyfriend that she met online. Police got involved after Chloe's mother contacted the U.S. Embassy following a video call with her daughter that appeared to drop when a man walked into the room. And then mom's imagination went wild, which is exactly what Chloe wanted, apparently. 
Police say McLaughlin, uh, Ms. McLaughlin, Chloe, that is, confessed to staging the kidnapping because she ran out of spending money. <laughs> All righty. <clears throat> That's like a plot out of a bad TV cop show, you know, and then it's. Uh, let's see. Well, these days, you know, everyone needs a vacation. And we do, we do mean everyone. After going missing from a traveling animal show, an alligator was found swimming in the backyard pool of a Virginia resident. <laughs> Employees of Jack's Jungle arrived at the scene and uh, brought the alligator named Splash back to his enclosure. It says here the animal had been missing for three weeks. <laughs> three weeks, an alligator on the loose. And uh, turned up in some somebody's backyard pool. No big deal. Nothing to see here. We'll take Splash back to his enclosure. It's weird. Uh, let's see here. Manchester. What is this? Manchester, New Hampshire, I believe. Uh, Karen's Diner is opening soon. And <laughs> uh, in the true spirit of Karen's everywhere, the... Uh, Diner aims to be as rude as possible to all customers to the point that they want to try and make you cry. <laughs> In tribute to Karen's everywhere. Karen's Diner prides itself on good food and very rude service. Swearing and yelling are fair game when you're in the establishment. The diner uh, actually, I, I said it was opening soon. A second location is actually opening soon. The original location is doing so well, they're opening a, opening a second location. Karen's Diner. Manchester. New Hampshire, I believe. There are a number of Manchesters. I think it's New Hampshire. And uh, finally, in the broken news this morning, did you see this? You've got to see this video. I saw this yesterday, and if you have not seen it yet, you've got to look this up online. A couple has described their reaction after watching a giant wave crash their wedding in Hawaii. Now, you've heard of wedding crashers. This is a giant wave crashing the wedding. The incident took place on Saturday on the west coast of Hawaii's Big Island. Dylan and Riley Murphy said that they had been concerned about Tropical Storm Darby, which had climbed to a Category 3 hurricane in the East Pacific. Uh, but as the storm dissipated... They thought all was well. Here's the problem. The remnants of the storm created some huge waves and video is really dramatic. I mean, waves to the point was they crashed into beach beachfront homes and went over the tops of the homes. I mean, these things, these waves were huge. So when they were having a beachfront wedding, <laughs> the waves came crashing in. Uh, according to... Uh, Dylan, we were right at the moment when we were going to start moving a couple things uh, for the reception, and this big wall just slammed into the the wedding area. Luckily, there was no food out. <laughs> After a quick cleanup, the party was back in action, and the guests had a better time than ever, uh, Dylan and Riley said. Uh, maybe even more memorable than if it hadn't happened. By the end of the night, we were all dancing in the mud, and it was amazing. Nobody seemed to mind. He said even the cake survived. I Like I said, I saw the video of this. It is really amazing. Uh, if you haven't seen it, look that up. It is wild. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95. 5 FM online at wfin.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices.
And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We're talking about a lot of health topics this morning. And uh, here's another one. It is well known that uh, collectively as a nation, we are pretty out of shape. But uh, according to a new survey, half of Americans can. I didn't realize it was this bad. Half of Americans say they cannot touch their toes without straining. Half. This is a survey of uh, 2,000 Americans finds that while 73% of us want to be more active, we are not. Uh, in fact, the average adult in this country gets in just 3,800 steps a day. Experts recommend at least 10,000 steps a day for good health. So uh, compare that to with what you are getting. 42% in the poll admit that they struggle to fit activity into their daily lives. But we are apparently trying to turn over a new leaf. 67% say they want to get moving again to improve their physical health. 51% want to improve their mental health. And I thought this was uh, pretty cool. 42% of those in the survey say they want to be more active so they can be a good influence, set a good example for their children. So that's... Kids are a motivating factor for a lot of uh, a lot of positive changes in our lives. Here's another one. Fifty four percent in the poll say they are making it a goal to exercise more with their family, which is always good. And while people by and large aren't moving as much as they should be. Consider this. Eighty one percent of those who do exercise say it puts them in a better mood. So all kinds of uh, benefits uh, to that, not the least of which you good good influence on your kids and put you in a better mood and you may be able to touch your toes again. To your health this morning, July is dry eye awareness month. Now that may not seem like something all that serious, but it can be. And it affects about 30 million people in the U S uh, joining us this morning is ophthalmologist Dr. Priya Gupta, who specializes in dry eye treatment. First of all, uh, Dr. Gupta, let's start with the basics. Talk about what some of the, this is when uh, the eye doesn't make enough tears or the tears evaporate too quickly. What are some of the causes, some of the symptoms of dry eye disease? Absolutely. Well, you know, traditionally we think of dry eye as a condition that happens as we get older. There can be hormonal influences and even systemic disease like autoimmune disease. But there's many uh, even more common things like uh, the medications we use to treat blood pressure or sleep disorders. Um, and, you know, those can be uh, all things that lead to dry eye disease. Um, the environment is also really important and can play a role in worsening dry eye disease. When patients come to see me, they often complain about irritation, um, like feeling like something is actually inside the eye. And then, of course, redness. This can be very frustrating to patients. No one wants to have red eyes, but patients with dry eyes often get redness, and it can fluctuate throughout the day. Some of the other symptoms that might not be quite as clear-cut that people associate with dry eye disease are actually fluctuating vision. So minute to minute, your uh, vision quality changes. And also watering inside the eyes. Um, sometimes it's hard for patients to understand. They, they come in with the complaint of watering and we diagnose dry eye disease. It kind of seems a little opposite. Right. So how do we know when uh, we need a, a medical intervention? I mean, we've all had uh, those times when we get dry eye, uh, dry eye occasionally or we get something in our eyes, so on and so forth. Um I would imagine not every time that happens uh, occasionally is necessarily a cause for alarm. So when uh, does it become something that you really need to have examined and possibly treated? Well, I always think you should bring it up to your eye care provider. Um, they're able to see things that you might not necessarily feel. So sometimes there can be a disconnect between what you're feeling and what your eye care provider is actually seeing. Okay. But generally speaking, if you're already at the level where you're having symptoms daily, um, and, you know, it could be that in certain environments, you know, or certain uh, lifestyle factors make it worse. But I think it's really important to bring it up to your eye care provider. So then comes the next uh, question, the big one. Uh, what are some of the ways that those with dry eye can find relief? What are the treatment options here? 
Well, one of the main phases of dry eye treatment is artificial tears. Um, I like to recommend uh, sustained, complete, preservative-free lubricating eye drops to my patients. If you've ever been in the eye drop aisle, it can be very overwhelming. Um, I recommend sustained, complete, preservative-free lubricating eye drops because it's preservative-free. It's really important when choosing an artificial tear to choose something that is preservative-free because preservatives can actually be toxic to the surface of the eye. And then especially patients with dry eye disease, they have a very sensitive surface, so it can be irritating to use something with preservatives. Sustained complete preservative-free lubricating eye drops has also been studied and found that a, a single drop will provide um, up to eight hours of lasting relief um, for dry eye symptoms. And so I think, you know, from the patient perspective, you want to choose something that's going to give you um, many hours of relief. Now, you were mentioning uh, earlier that this is commonly associated with a condition that is more prevalent as we age, but that is not to say that it is exclusive uh, to those who are older. I, I'm sure that this is something that uh, just because you're younger, don't necessarily rule this out. This can happen at any age, right? Absolutely. You know, an alarming trend that I'm seeing in my own practice is that patients are coming in younger and younger with dry eye disease. So it's not uncommon for me to see people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s um, and diagnosing them with dry eye disease. Um, you know, maybe it's related to our digital lifestyle. Um, certainly with mask wear, we've seen an increase in the incidence of dry eye disease, maybe because of the directional airflow yeah but it is something that regardless of your age should be on your radar again ophthalmologist dr priya gupta uh, talking about uh, dry eye awareness month in the uh, month of july symptoms treatments and so on where do we get more information yes i'd love everybody to go to sustain.com um, you can for the month of july in honor of dry eye awareness month you can receive an eight dollar coupon to uh, apply towards trying sustained, complete, preservative-free lubricating eye drops. So give it a try. We will link it up on our webpage. Dr. Gupta, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Now we'll finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage, thatisgoodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Arlington has become the latest Hancock County Village to participate in the Heart and Soul Development and Planning Program through the Community Foundation. We'll get more details. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.